Hello and welcome to Forever Young Adult, a podcast where I, Aoife, and I, Kira, read young adult fiction from the stars. This book is set in space. Oh my god, is it Star Wars? No, though there are YA um, Star Wars books, we could do that. Oh gosh, that was just a throwaway joke. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, we could do a Star Wars book. I bet the Star Wars books aren't gay. No, I think that they are um, not allowed to be gay by Disney. Yeah, and also George Lucas. Yeah. Ah, corporations, eh? Evil corporations that are so big. Damn, I hate corporations, Kira. I wish there was a book about that. This book is about that. This book is about how giant corporations are bad. Damn, and it's in space? And it's in space. Because in space, no one can say workers' rights. Yeah, because there's no no dang oxygen. You're right. There is. Um, you are hitting all the points. It's almost as if we discussed this off mic already. Shh, 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 shh. Let's not ruin the illusion. We have a perfectly professional relationship and we never speak outside of this. But yes, listeners, it's audiobook month because it's perfectly rectangular February. So you know how rectangles are the shape of tapes, like books on tape, like audiobooks. Kira read this book as an audiobook. Wow. <laughs> and Aoife's next book is a Jane Austen that she got on audiobook. And this was just purely coincidental, but we decided that to make it a thing because we love Why that. not? We gotta um, ritualize our daily actions. We're living in a plague. Nice. Love living in a plague. That's not true. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm sorry that I Personally you. dislike living in a plague. Yeah. Gotta say. Oh my god, everything I say is so perfect for the book because our main character in this book also hates lying and cannot lie. It makes her physically ill. Damn, is that because she's like some kind of great destined ruler, pure of heart, goodness, etc.? <laughs> from now on, I am always going to just not be able to stop myself from telling you about the book because it's so funny when you pretend not to know something and then just <laughs> phrase it as a sort of question in order to get me to say it. It's my favorite way of podcasting. Um, okay. It's my favorite way of having a conversation with a third person, actually. We're being We're just... sly. We're very careful and calculated. We're being in jokes at a party. We're a clique. Yeah. Nobody knows yeah. what we're talking about. Because I haven't actually said the name of the book yet. I keep forgetting the name of this book because you just keep referring to it as the Arthurian Legends in Space book. I don't think I've ever said that full phrase, but okay. Well, that's what I keep thinking of it as then. So uh, tell me about the Arthurian Legends in Space book. Uh, so I read Once in Future by Amy Rose Capessa and Corey McCarthy. And it came out in 2019 and it is very good. Very good. Wonderful. It's part of a duality series, which means that there are two books, which is unusual these days. Books usually come in threes, like buses. And deaths. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Everything comes in threes. Yeah, bad luck comes in threes. We know it. But it's a duality and I... Duology, I think, is the phrase. If you, Pardon? It's duology, not duality. Oh, okay. It is a duality. Um, duology. Duolo- it is a duology. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to say something controversial now, which is that I believe that the second one is 
superior to the first one. And if you were only going to read one of the two books, I would read the second one. Are we going to talk about both of them today? I was only going to talk about the first one. The second one is called The Sword in the Stars. I might touch on it a bit as I talk about the first one, but I just think that it is... The the books are very tightly planned. I will Mm -hmm. say that because a lot of things that come up in the first book, it circles back to in the second one. And Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, that's a cool thing that does continuity and story planning. But also, I feel like a lot of the first book, some of it is definitely necessary and some of it is just chunky. Like there's some plot things that just don't work for me personally. Um, There's a whole sequence where they do a jailbreak and I was like, this is super cool. We're doing a jailbreak. And the reason that they're doing a jailbreak is to break the main character's mother's out of jail. And then as soon as they do that, she's like, cool, you guys stay here while I go continue my adventure. And while I don't want the main character's parents to stay in jail, I'm also like, you haven't seen these women in five years. And you're this like... This didn't have to happen on screen and it doesn't feel character consistent. Yeah, mostly it was like, the, it, it nearly felt like there had to be a battle scene and therefore this was the way to get a battle scene in so as to raise the stakes in other ways. But it didn't ultimately, nothing happened with the parents mm. afterwards. And then in the second book, the parents don't really come into it either. So I was just like, okay, cool. The parents have been saved. Her moms have been saved. But it would have it would have made almost no difference if she had been if the parents had been dead. Or if they'd had someone else rescue them off screen or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like it didn't have to be a plot thing, a plot yeah. action. Um, okay. The, Do you want to like, tell me a little bit about the authors who wrote this book yes. before we get into proper book so, discussion? Uh, the authors who wrote this book are a married couple mm-hmm. and they are both trans, which Lovely. makes them both queer. They are actually, they're, they so they wrote this book, the, this series together, but they are also both authors in their own rights and standings and they also, and they both have like quite a back catalogue of LGBTQ inclusive books for young adults they sound like soulmates can you imagine being a trans for trans like two book writer couple that's so cute and they live and work in america and i like them a lot and they're just lovely um so that's the authors and they wrote this book together and this book is as you said it's an arthwellian legend retelling and it's it is a telling of King Arthur as King Arthur Spiris has been reincarnated 42 times and we are joining the most recent reincarnation of King Arthur who mm-hmm. is a girl called Ari and she is 17 years old and a refugee and living in I actually don't think they give the year but we're looking at like two to three thousand years from when King Arthur was alive. And when was King Arthur alive? King... I don't know when King Arthur was alive. He was alive in the early Middle Ages. Well, he didn't happen, but, like, when are the myths set? The myth is that he was alive during the early Middle Ages, I believe. So if this is, like, 3,000 years on from that, it's, like, 2,000 years on from now. Yeah, about then. Okay. So we've got space travel. So we have space travel... And we also have 
like the legend of Excalibur being pulled from the stone. Ari pulls it from a tree, which is what um, starts off the whole story and also awakens Merlin of legend mm -hmm. in his crystal cave so that he can relive this cycle. Pretty gay to live in a crystal cave. Pretty gay to be a wizard. Everything about Merlin is kind of pretty gay. Nice. Going to admit. So he awakens and that restarts his cycle, restarts the cycle of the reincarnation of Arthur, which he has done 41 times before, well, 40 times before this because he had the original Arthur and then 41 reincarnations and now Ari. So he's kind of like mm -hmm. an old hat to this. And the other thing about Merlin is that he is aging backwards through time and started life as a thousand years old, give or take, and is now appearing to be a 17-year-old boy. He has Benjamin Button disease? Exactly. He is Benjamin Buttoning through time. How, and that is a whole did, plot point in itself. How? Who birthed him? How did he come into being? Did a dragon do it? A dragon did not do it, but hold, okay. hold on to that thought about dragons. What happened, he doesn't know who his parents are. He doesn't know his origin story. It actually brings him like a lot of grief to not know his mm -hmm. origin story. He just knows that he awoke one day inside his crystal cave at roughly a thousand years old and didn't even realize that he was aging backwards for quite a while. Yeah, until, makes because, sense. As he says, there's not much difference between being 800 years old and being 600 years old. So it took him a while to figure it out. Is he like slow motion aging? Or is he like, did he get fucking nearly a millennium of being the oldest thing imaginable? And now he's just speed running backwards. And also, you said that this is 3,000 years in the future. How is he... How is he only a thousand? He's roughly that age, but also he sleeps a lot and he doesn't, he ages a small, he ages slower while he's asleep. Okay, cool. So like he and sleeps, he sleeps in between cycles. I would be so, so worried. What would you be worried about? I would be worried about, okay, so remember when we did Turnabout by yeah. Margaret Peterson Haddix and mm -hmm. it was literally about a pair of old ladies who spoiler age were aging backwards and like at this point they were teenagers and they were like who knows what will happen next we will be growing more and more dependent just the way that like old people grow more and more dependent who who wants to look after a kid when that kid isn't gonna grow up you're just gonna be doing end of life elder care with them and also he's got a destiny he has to look yeah. after this new arthur and he's young <laughs> So this puts a lot of like his aging backwards thing. That's something that weighs on him quite a lot because like he is woken up as a 17 year old and he's like, this is my last chance to to complete the circle and to break the circle so that so that King Arthur, the original, the OG, his spirit doesn't keep getting trapped in all of these future Arthurs or Arthur lookalikes. Okay. Um, because he he is very aware that like he does doesn't have the time left mm -hmm. and another thing that has changed is in every previous cycle he had some element of like minor future vision where the details were 
fuzzy, but he could kind of see the shape of what was coming. Mm-hmm. And when he wakes up this time, he doesn't have that power. And okay. I actually thought that that was going to be like more of a problem because he just like, a, he's like, oh, something is different in this cycle. That means that like other things can be different, but he doesn't, he doesn't reach for it as he goes. He's 17 can... to be fair. I know. For all the others, he was maybe had... a competent adult and now he's doing it for the first time, but also he knows all of his stuff, but also he's 17. True. So he, he sets off to find find Ari who is also the first girl to be Arthur all of the previous Arthurs have been boys oh that's a big change yeah after 40 something yeah and not all the other Arthurs have been like white or from England there have been Mm -hmm. Arthurs of various different countries he mentions an Arthur from Japan at one point and they're not all called Arthur either it's yeah that would be weird yeah but in every reincarnation and then every cycle, there is like a lot of, there is a lot of repetition. So the reincarnation person, the Arthur, is the only, and he refers to them as his Arthurs, even if their names are something different, except for Ari, who he's like, my Ari. Well, um, that's because that's kind of an Arthur nickname, I guess. So he True. Um, but like the Arthur is the only person and the Merlin is the only person who are, sorry, Arthur, Merlin, and Morgana are the only three players who are, like, consistently involved. Mm-hmm. But And I'll get to Morgana in a minute. But the Knights of the Round Table are also involved, but they're not like-for-like definite people. They're not, not the like souls this... of these people who are, like, cursed to not rest. They're exactly. just friends? They're just friends. And... Merlin kind of imposes who he believes that they are they are <laughs> equivalent to within the original Arthurian tale onto them a little bit. Oh but- god, those are always so annoying. That's like when that's like when people are like, "Oh, Donald Trump is totally like Voldemort or whatever." Yeah. <laughs> You're like, "No, these are different things. These are different people." Um and then the only other bit is that the love story between the Guinevere of the original story and the love interest of the Arthurs always breaks uh, the Arthur's heart. And often often by doing something with the Lancelot stand-in. Oops. So that is consistent within cycles. And I'm also like, hey, Merlin, do you know what else is consistent within a person's lifetime? A teenager getting their heart broken. Mm. It's not um, like mega revelatory, is it? Yeah. That said, the Arthur this time is not only a girl, but is also much older than Merlin is used to because the Arthurs generally are like somewhere, when he meets them first, are somewhere between like, seven and ten mm-hmm. so that's another thing that's different in this cycle merlin is really counting up the things that are different in this cycle because he yeah. really needs this cycle to be the last one due to his de-aging and whatnot. so it's very possible that things were different in the other ones but this time he's like oh it's so different this one's definitely the one yeah um he also falls in love with one of his arthurs previously uh, when he was when he was about 40 or so he fell in love with one of his Arthurs 
And I was like, this is very cute, but also uncomfortable because you met this boy when he was a child. Okay, okay. I've got another problem, though, is that this is the reincarnated soul as well as being a person, it's Arthur. Like, it's Ari is Ari, but she's yeah. also Arthur. So, like, Merlin knows Arthur for a long time, and they have, like, a non-romantic connection, except in BBC Merlin. And they don't... So it must be weird to be like, and now I am in love with not quite you, but also sort of you off to the side. Yeah. That one is called Arty, which, yeah. And, but he doesn't do Are they all Arthur-y names? Um, not all of them. One was called Dave. Okay. Dave, the once and future king of England. I think he became a rock star. Um, so one of, one of, Mo- oh, Mar- one of oh. Merlin's goals is like. You can't skim over that. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, okay, this is what I gotta do. I wake up in my crystal cave. Step one, pee. Step two, eat something. Step three, find Arthur. Step four, train Arthur. Step five, push Arthur onto the nearest throne. Step six, world peace. And to be honest, it's step six, question mark, question mark, question mark. Step seven, world peace. Okay. Um, Because he never, he has never actually achieved step seven, but he has achieved the other steps. Okay. Um, So he's like, I've got six steps down pat. I just need to figure out what I do after that. Okay. Yeah. And depending on like the the world in which he wakes up to, like the the throne that Arthur lands on doesn't necessarily have to be a throne in the sense of like king. It can just be something that would you have the power to unite people. So in wait, one... sorry, wait, wait, Dave the rock star, King Arthur, that's just Bill and Ted. I haven't seen Bill and Ted. So Bill and I... Ted are destined to unite the world through their great music, but people keep having to time travel back to them from the future because they keep slacking off and not making their great music. Amazing. Amazing. And they create world peace and become like the foundational thought leaders for like the world peace future of Earth. And that's that's Dave for you. That's Dave. Um, he plays Coachella. Oh my God. Kira. What? Coachella. He he plays... I'm very... I would like to read Dave King Arthur, the <laughs> rock star, who was like taught to shred it on guitar by Merlin, who is old as balls. Um, He's kind of younger in that one. Maybe maybe 40s or 30s. We find that out in the second book. I'm, I'm Merlin's story is... Merlin is definitely like my favorite in this and he has a love interest in this book and it's one of Ari's knights so Mm -hmm. Ari's knights are Kay who is her adoptive brother Val Mm -hmm. who is the love interest for Merlin Lam who is super cool and uh gender fluid and then we also have Jordan who is initially taken to be the Lancelot's step-in but proves to not be uh spoiler and that's like merlin is like jordan is going to be the lancelot because lancelot is always the best fighter and jordan is the best fighter she's the best fighter merlin therefore like warns ari a little bit about her and merlin just doesn't trust her and then 
Mm-hmm. Ari, as a result, also doesn't trust She's her. She's gonna steal your girl. Steal your girl. So Ari doesn't trust her. And then later in the book, Ari is like, yo, I'm really sorry. I heard some things about you and I should have trusted you. I'm so sorry. And Jordan is like, well, if you'd had a conversation with me, we wouldn't have had to have these difficulties between us. So thank you for apologizing, but I still don't like you. And I'm like, Jordan, yes. Very fair. Very fair. Are these all teens? These are all teens. And they make a point. They're like, the only reason we were, I think this might also be early in the second book, but they do make a point that the only reason that they are able to get away with so much that they get away with is because like they are underestimated by the fact that they are not children, but they are not Mm. adults. And so everyone is like, they're just teenagers doing teenage things. You know, plotting a rebellion, becoming the rightful king of England. Teen stuff. Teen stuff. They're like, we have multiple skills and we are very smart, but also we got away with a lot of this because we were underestimated by our enemies because we are children. Very fair. I mean, that's up there with, um, I have to be the child who saves the world because all the adults in my culture are like imprisoned or lost or something as like, okay justification for the plot necessities of a YA adventure novel. Yeah. Um... Wait, how does how does a love interest work backwards in time? Uh, complicatedly. So mm-hmm. Merlin is like, ooh, look at this Val person who's really cool. Val is Val is black and is a boy. I believe they are a cis boy. But also they mm-hmm. really mess with like gender presentation a lot. And mm-hmm. they wear like this really beautiful clothing. They wear lots of like highlighter and they just look gorgeous all of the time. Mm-hmm. And Merlin is very distracted by how beautiful they are. And also Val plays an important role as the advisor to the queen. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is, he's just got a lot going on. He's very competent and he's mm-hmm. cool and he just looks great and we love him. And that's enough to be okay about the fact that I'm I'm going to be 10 soon. <laughs> so Val is like, well, you're 17 now and 16 isn't that far from 17. So like we can, this isn't a problem for me. And Merlin is like, no, 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 no. But this is a massive problem for me. Like we can't, we can, no, 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 no. This romance cannot happen because I'm aging backwards. And how will it even work in that way? But he's also 17. So Mm -hmm. while he is like, he's like, I have all of these thousands of years of experience, but also I am 17. And that does have like cognitive effects on him. I would like to smash. He would like to smash. And also (laughs) everyone around them is fucking smashing. Oh God. Okay. I will say I, I was hesitant about the idea of having a, a Benjamin Button romance, particularly as teenagers, it can get iffy, but. If you are into someone who is currently about the same age as you and one of you is aging backwards, the best time to do kissing is right now. Yeah. And Merlin puts it off for like a long time to the point where he has this whole thing about his beard because Mm -hmm. Merlin's beard is famous Mm -hmm. and also a curse. Like it's so famous that people used to say Merlin's beard I think that's just in Harry Potter. No, it's it's in the world. I've heard it okay. be said outside of Harry Potter. Okay. 
But, like, so he's, like, super up on his beard, right? Mm -hmm. But now that he is 17, he just kind of has, like, stubble. Oh, my God. He's got a shitty teen beard. And Val is always trying to get him to shave it because it's such Mm -hmm. a shitty beard. And Val is super Mm -hmm. into appearances and making people look beautiful. And then at one point, they are about to kiss. And Merlin is like, okay, I'm going to kiss this boy because, like when i may never get the opportunity to kiss this boy if i don't kiss him now and as they are about to kiss val is like oh you knew this was going to happen tonight and merlin's like what no this is a completely impulse move what what are you talking about and val is like you shaved for me because he has now aged to the point where his beard is totally gone and he's baby smooth and and merlin is so distracted by this and like the terror that this causes that he shuts down his inter- his entire being Oh god. He's just like gotta pull in all those emotions that I was feeling and he pulls it in so far hard that he actually ends up like dooming everyone because his magic was sustaining a shield at the time. Mm-hmm. And when he pulled in all his emotions, he also pulled in his all his magic and the shield dropped. Just like in Twilight. Just like in Twilight. And it's kind of ironic because one of his reasons for not kissing Val was that kissing Val would distract him from holding up the magic. So he was like, I can't kiss you. I'm doing too much magic right now. And Val is like, but what if we did kiss? And then they hear and the then kiss. Distract and it's him a disaster. Too much. <laughs> but they didn't even get the kiss. Oh no. Oh God. This is a real teen sparkle story, huh? This I... is very much not he is mine and I have no other. Um, the other prominent love story in this book is between Ari and Gwen. Mm-hmm. And Wow, who could have seen that coming? Yeah. Is and it foretold? It is foretold. And Gwen is actually called Gwen. There is a, a one-for-one name on this one. Mm-hmm. And Gwen is... Okay, a little bit about the universe. We are in space. There are okay. planets. There are no aliens. Everyone, okay. everyone in this universe is some sort of descendant from Earth which they call Old Earth, which is also being used as like a nature preserve situation and no one can go there because humans messed it up so bad the first time that it's now a protected mm-hmm. planet, um, which is why it's shocking that Ari went to Old Earth in order to escape the main bad guy, who, which, are call, which is called the Mercer Company. Mm-hmm. Her, her and her brother crash land on Old Earth where they find Excalibur. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's also a planet called Lionel, And this is, you're going to love it, a cosplay planet. Explain. It is a planet where everyone, where everyone reenacts the Middle Ages. Horseshit and things like that? Diseases? Not the diseases. Not the diseases, not the plague. They also have like eradicated sexism and homophobia and all of that stuff. They just kept the cool night shit. Okay, cool. I can get behind this. Yeah. And Guinevere of this reality and timeline is the queen of Lionel. Okay. And it's going to be convenient when your beloved is like foretold to be the once and future king of something or other. Yeah. And they basically do a romance speed run. Because. Wonderful. Ari and Merlin and Lam and her brother Kay all land on Lionel in order to they all land on Lionel they had a reason I don't remember what it is 
Okay, not important. Important (laughs) is that there's a pretty girl here. She's in charge. In order to hide Ari from the Mercer company, who are the big bad, Merlin enters Ari into a tournament in order to win the queen's hand in marriage. Okay. Jordan is... Jordan is the knight that Ari ends up fighting, and Jordan would... These tournaments have been held ongoing for a while, but... Gross to have to marry off your team, ruler. Yeah, it's just kind of like... I also get the impression, it's unclear how Gwen became queen, but I think that she was voted. Okay, so quite Star Wars then. Yeah, I think that she was voted queen, but now they want her to marry in order to, like, keep fulfilling the whole thing of it. The role play. The role play of it. So she's been holding regular tournaments in which Jordan, who is the greatest knight ever, keeps beating all the competitors because Gwen doesn't actually want to get married just yet. So she just keeps sending Jordan out to beat up everyone in a knightly fashion. Mm-hmm. But then Ari Aha, comes along. Knightly and knightly. And then Ari comes along and Gwen is like, actually, no, it's chill. So <laughs> Jordan throws it so that Ari can win. Ari would never be able to actually beat Jordan even with the help of a magical sword of course of course because Jordan's the Lancelot or not and Gwen and Ari decide that they have a torted past because they knew each other as like early teens when Ari and Kay used to night camp which is basically like a summer camp for kids where they learn how to be knights. You send your kid to the role play planet to learn to be a knight and live in yep. medieval world for yep. a summer so that you what was their schooling like? Why did they have a summer camp? Like is that a thing? It's Were, I... not mentioned. I feel their like schooling if you are... is not mentioned. If you have a spaceship you kind of have to homeschool I think. I think that they are homeschooled, especially since Ari is actually a refugee from a planet that has been uh, blockaded from the rest of the known universe. Cool. Again, cool, cool, cool. by the big bad, the Mercer Company. <laughs> I'm going to get to them next, I promise. Okay, okay. But currently she she was a refugee and she went to night school. She went to night school, yeah. But at the summer, not don't get confused. It's not night school, it's night school. It's Kenite school. And she was actually really good at Kenite school until she was like, cosplay is just a lie. All of this is just lying about who you are to everyone around you. And she gets really upset about this because Ari cannot tell lies, like physically cannot tell a lie. Okay. And, but her... uh, Joke's on you. You are medieval. It's fine. (laughs) Um, And Gwen was really into it for a whole background story that I don't have time to get into. But Gwen was like really, really into it. Like this is her life. And so the two of them butted heads a lot. And then one of the instructors made them pair up because that's how you make children stop fighting. Mm -hmm. Um, And they ended up shifting. And then Ari was like, I have to go. And (laughs) they never saw each other again for four or five years. Okay. That's kind of the worst thing you can do to a teenager. Uh, so they decide that they will get married. Sorry, sorry. You're at camp. You have a rivalry with another girl. You are paired up. You kiss once. She runs away. You see her again. You decide to marry her on the spot. 
Yeah. Is that what's happened here? That is exactly what happened. It's like a speed Damn. run. What? Yeah, that is a speed run. You did promise me a speed run. Yeah. Now, their relationship, like, you're kind of like, why are they together at the start? But they are very cute. And they are just, like, constantly drawn to each other. And Gwen calls Ari baby girl. And Ari calls... Gwen Lady and it's very cute and sweet and I do really like them as a couple. Good. Though they do keep being like we have these such explosive fights and I'm like I haven't seen you have an explosive fight once. You have (laughs) mild disagreements about how you're going to save the universe. (laughs) Like and whether the universe is worth potentially losing each other. That is the level of your fights. What? These aren't even that like explosive. They're just big like call me (laughs) when you live together and you have to decide whose turn it is to clean the bathroom like yeah (laughs) we can't take the bins out every second week because then i'm always stuck with the smelly bin and you always have the recycling bin that's an explosive argument these teens don't know anything (laughs) these teens are just having like philosophy debates (laughs) yeah which is i mean a fun time i'm sure um but for diplomatic reasons, they decide to get married and also for romance. But at the time, they're like, this is a political marriage, but I'm also super into you. That's and Dykes, so, baby. So Ari's motivation going into this political marriage is that she is on the run from the Mercer Company because she is a refugee from the planet Ketch mm-hmm. who refused to use Mercer Company products and services and therefore were blackballed by the universe because the mercer company is amazon and elon musk's space program put together right insane then yes and gwen's motivation is that her people want her to get married and also the mercer company is kind of holding her planet a little bit hostage in that they also don't want to work with the Mercer company, but they don't have enough water on their planet to not import water. And the Mercer company is the only pla- the only company that they can import water via. Oh, that and is so- a short-term problem. Have you heard of the water cycle? Like the it's water not- you feed people, will they will be pissing it out. And then it enters yeah. the water cycle and you're good. They don't seem, that doesn't seem to be working for them because this is a long-term problem that they've been having. Okay. They could, they could have a drought season. I'm not sure. Hand, hand wave, hand wave, sci-fi, it's fine. Some, some of the world building and like the way that things fit together is really well done. And some of it is just hand wavy, I will say. Sometimes that's they're like, fair. there's we a problem. And we're like, okay, that's the, that's the problem. But um, the Mercer Company is giving, is selling them water, but is also like holding everyone to the point of near dehydration mm-hmm. by making, by making the shipments like a little bit late and just a little bit short. So because they want, they want Lionel to come to the table to, to them in order to import other Mercer goods and become a Mercer planet. Okay, because um, they don't and- like independence. They do not like independence. And technically speaking, all of the planets are independent, but also... They're franchises. 
Honestly, Aoife, all of the planets are franchises of the Mercer Company. Because they go to another planet. They go to the planet called Troy. Is there another mythological cycle happening out there with like this lady called Helen? Or like, is it is it just Arthurian shit? Or do we like get a planet for like all foundational myths? Just wondering. <laughs> No, it just appears to be called Troy, though I was waiting for something like that to happen. I was like, where's the horse? Where's the horse? Um, And a spaceship descended from the sky, which looked like a fucking horse. I would like to hear a horse described by someone who hasn't seen a horse before. Like, (laughs) ideally, one who hasn't seen a four-legged animal before. Like, just trying to describe what that would be so when they get to troy like the evils of the mercer company which have been fairly fairly uh expounded on at this point already are truly shown because like the planet of troy is completely owned by mercer to the point where people have purchasing quotas Mm -hmm. that they have to live up to like people are given time off work in order to go shopping and mm-hmm. they have to like spend a certain amount of money every day and every week in order to keep living on Troy. That's bad. It's very bad. And what happens if you don't spend enough money is that you get sent to a prison planet. That's okay. Cool. I think they're making a metaphor here. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you also, you also like, much like Elon, Elon Musk is like, hey... If you can't afford to go to Mars, it's cool because we'll subsidize you to go to Mars and then you can work for us when you get there. Uh, The Mercer Company also does that because they're like, oh, living on Troy is a privilege. And if you can't afford to live on Troy, we will ship you to a cheaper place to live. But now you owe us all the transport. Well, there's like, sorry. There's like a, there's like a staging that you mm-hmm. go through where like Troy is the best planet and we will ship you to the less good planet and then the less good planet and then ultimately you're in prison. Cool. Because we charge you for shipping you to those other planets that you didn't want to move to in the first place, but that cost us money. So now you owe us money. So now you have to work for us, but you didn't, you're still racking up debt. So now we're going to send you to another planet and now you have even more debt and now you can't pay your debts. So we're going to send you to debtor's prison. Yeah, this is uh, this is Amazon. It's also sort of late 19th, early 20th century American. Um, you would have like a company town. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially feudalism where like you work in the factory and you get money that you can only spend at the company store. Yeah. And like you can only live in these buildings owned by the company and all that jazz. Cool. I'm starting to think maybe these authors don't love capitalism. Oh my god. Shocking. They do love monarchy though. Queer people who don't like capitalism? I don't know. What is this? I've never heard that concept before. I'm always on that grind. You know me. I think we live in a meritocracy. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Was I not convincing? I'm just just weak at the the concept. Um... (laughs) So that that's a lot of the book. Mm-hmm. The Arthur or Merlin succeeds in in most of his steps, such as find Arthur, train Arthur, 
put Arthur on the nearest throne, though he like, is. Like Arthur upset. was already in night school. She's fine. Yeah, Ari has this. The thing that uh, Merlin actually ends up having, Merlin is like, okay, I don't actually have to train her on how to use a sword because she's also already fairly confident at us. And Mm -hmm. also Excalibur is a magic sword, which kind of helps you out a little bit because it's like, hey, you should swing me now. And you're like, what? It's got training wheels on it. Uh, But the thing that he has to train Ari in is being less impulsive because she just loves to... Oh no, I've thought, I've had an idea, let's do it. And everyone is like, but what if we thought of a second idea? No, I just thought of this one, it's gonna go rotten. We have to use it quick. (laughs) So he he exceeds in most of that. And they also identified the big bad as being the Mercer Company. So they set about fighting the Mercer Company and they do a couple of other adventures along the way. And Mm -hmm. then we have the second book from there. Okay. I really enjoyed the series. I'm going to start wrapping up because I don't want to get too much yeah, into the it plot. it seems like a fun, just stabby yeah. thing. If you were only going to read one of them, I think I would recommend the second book over the first. But they are fun. They are real life. I've done a lot of books on this pod recently that I was like just talking about the writing style and how beautiful and lyrical it all was and how all of these books were practically poetry um, this book was not that. Mm-hmm. This book was written. It was not crafted. It there. It is chunky okay. in places. I'm gonna. I sent you a quote the other day as an example of this because I had been complaining about it. Her eyes flicked the skies, checking for Mercer ships. Her old habits fitting into place like muscle memory. That's not. I had a particular personal. It's just you're just saying something. It's just words. If it's an old habit that you do instinctively, then it is muscle memory. It's not like muscle memory. It is muscle memory. And also, wasn't both of those sentences like she did this? She did action. Like it's very repetitive. And that's only a two sentence fragment. But if that's indicative of the whole style, I can see that getting boring. Like, a piece of a piece of writing advice I have heard and the way it was communicated was really good because it was basically like this is a five word sentence but I don't know if that one is but they just did a bunch of five word sentences in a row and were like one five word sentence is fine but this is another five word sentence and this is another five word sentence and this is another five word sentence and it's boring and it's the same if all of your sentences start with I did, I went, I was. So um, it's got to flow it around a little bit. Like, I'm not saying that the writing it. is bad. It's just chunky in places. And I noticed this in particular because it was an audio book. Like I tried to get this book in physical form because I, I, I prefer to read. If it's for the pod, I prefer to read it in a physical form. It's just easier to make notes about different things or to like click back when I mm-hmm. want to reference something. Uh, but I couldn't get mm-hmm. this one in physical form because I lent it to a person in the library on the last day that we were open before lockdown. Mm. Um, oh, too good a librarian sacrificing your own book access for the good I of know, the public. I am amazing. But so that does mean that like some of the things that I would have like flicked back to before doing this, I haven't, which is a little bit why I feel like some of this is a bit disjointed but 
mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention that the writing is a little chunky. If you're only going to read one of them, as I said, I would read Sword, Sword in the Stars. I think it's just slightly more interesting. They do a lot of like setting up of the characters and setting up of the story in the first book. And the second book has time travel in it because they run into a problem right at the end of the first book, as you do in in series. And they decide that the solution would be to go back in time to when the original King Arthur was alive in order to get one of his magic things that he had and then bring it to the future. And so... Kira, I can't deal with this. You... Okay, so there's magic and there's sci-fi. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Magic and sci-fi and what... That's fine. That's okay. That's blending two things. That's fine. But you can't also have time travel. Because you know what else this book has? Kira, Kira, you know what else this book has? Reincarnation. What does that mean? You can't go back in time and meet yourself as a previously incarnated version. You see, does Merlin... Wait, is Merlin just time traveling all of the time? Is that what's happening? Is he constantly glitching just a little bit because he's actually fucking aging forward in his point of view? It's not what's happening, but... It is, it is though, because he's got future vision. That's a memory. Yeah, but he doesn't have future vision now. I'm, okay, you've broken me. To the point where I'm like, why even mention us? Because he's too young. But no, he's, he's too, too young. young. Here's the thing, right? Time is a flat circle. It's not true. It's a quote from a TV Time show. Time is a flat circle in this book. <laughs> and time travel is always funky. But the way that they get around that in this is done well and it is partly to do because one of the characters that i haven't mentioned is the lady in the lake and she has all this time magic Mm -hmm. going on and her and merlin's magic is very similar so he also has time magic going on for reasons that are explained in the second book that i don't want to get into because it comes right near the end but okay it just it just has to do with their magic and they can do this not everyone with magic can do this but these two can and so there's a lot of t- you know who the what the lady in the lake and what? merlin are malem ulu solidarity <laughs> i mean i okay this is a spoiler but the lady in the lake does turn out to be like the biggest bads she is she is the no but there is there is because i was like i want her to be i i want to know her story I would like to know about the cool water witch in um, the lake. Her story, but no, she has her to be story evil. is that she was born in a time when women were not treated very well and she was rejected by her family and her village for having magic. And as a result, she is very sore about it and is kind of watching the reincarnation of Arthur as like a TV show. I think she should kiss Morgana. Uh, Morgana is fantastic in this book. I I said that I would get to her and then I never did. But Morgana is fantastic. She, while Merlin has been living, been sleeping in his cave, she is alert for everything because she doesn't have a physical body. She just exists as an ethereal being. And Mm -hmm. so every time he wakes up, she comes up to him and is like, hey, 
I'm the enemy bad guy, and then touches his head and gives him all the memories of humans being terrible for however long that he's been asleep to torture him. I love her. <laughs> I love her. Her primary motivation, other than just like torturing Merlin for the shits and giggles, is that she. You know what that is? What? Ulumlem inimnity. <laughs> Obsessed. Um. Her motivation is that she wants to free King Arthur's, the OG's spirit from all of these reincarnations. And so she is going around trying to do that. But they're kind of working against each other because Merlin is like, the way to do this is to is to is to finish the cycle. And Morgana is like, the way to do this is to kill all the useless Arthurs. To speed it up. Like, this one's clearly not a winner. Yeah. Just kill it. Yeah, we'll try basically. again. Um, okay. Okay, but what I want to tell Morgana is that group projects are difficult. And sometimes things look like they're not going well. And maybe they're not going well. And maybe and maybe the success that you envisioned for yourself at the start of the project isn't going to be what comes out of it. But that doesn't mean... It can't still be the group project that ends your brother's eternal reincarnation suffering and allows him to rest in peace. You should just give it a go. You never know. Yeah. And and Ari ends up spending a lot of time with Morgana at one point and is just like, why are you so terrible? And Morgana gives like their tragic backstory and also is like, Merlin has been keeping secrets from you and tells her like, gives her loads of memories from different um, Arthur's through the ages and Ari is like okay mm-hmm. Merlin didn't give me like the full story but also he did give me like a good ins and outs of it so I'm not that angry with him but also I am now more suspicious of Jordan Lancelot being around my girl <laughs> mm-hmm. that's it um, so I kind of think I want to finish up there I do want to mention, because I told you to put a pin in it, that there are dragons in this, in a roundabout way, in the first book. And there is an actual... There's dragons, there's <gasps> magic, there's time travel, there's space. If there is a fantasy trope, There's queers. There. This book has everything. Fantastic. So, Ari is from this, this planet called Ketch, which has been... Uh, barricaded off by the Mercer company and she is like determined to go there and her brother the whole time is like yeah we'll go to catch and we'll get eaten by dragons and I can't remember the name of of the dragon creature but Ari keeps being like they're not dragons they're just really big lizards and then she this is also Star Wars. I'm sorry, but the Mandalorian planet has mythosaurs in it, which are just dragons. Um, and then she arrives on the planet and she's like, oh no, that's a dragon. That Why Why did I just keep saying it was a giant lizard? That right there, that's a dragon. And she ends up training a hatchling to be her little dragon pet thing. Oh, wonderful. And she names it after her brother who she's been separated from because... She is so sad that she's been separated from her brother that she needs to find an excuse to say his name every day. And so she names her dragon dog, Kay, after him. She just wants to yell her brother's name. Yeah, and name be like, sit, play dead. Because it doesn't feel right. Kay, play dead. And there's also a mother <laughs> dragon that's called Big Mama. And I love her. 
Amazing. That's amazing. Okay. Highlights, lowlights, and sidelights. I'm going to guess what they were first before you go into them, okay? Your lowlight is just that the text is a little clunky. It's not a major problem, but it's a little clunky. Uh, Your sidelight is that all of the characters are queer. They're also all of color. and And this is something that like, it's it's great in the first book and they're all just accepted because no one's identity is ismed against in the book in this universe the mm-hmm. the the identities that are like in conflict are are you with the mercer company or aren't you with the mercer company because you are either a supporter of mercer mm-hmm. or an enemy of mercer and there is no other identities going on and that was really cool yeah um but also in the second book, I feel like it actually gets dug into a bit more because they've gone back to medieval, they've gone back to medieval Arthurian time. And so... I'd say your biggest issue then is sexism. Yeah, their issue else. there is sexism because this is fantastic. So before going, Merlin is like, okay, guys, we are a very queer group. And also we are a very colored group. And also like we don't understand sexism because none of you have like actually properly experienced it in any way. But in the place that we're going to, all of those things are going to be issues. And then when they get there, the sexism is an issue and the homophobia is an issue. But they get there and there are loads of people of colour there all over the place. And Merlin is like, (laughs) I don't remember all these people of colour. And then he's like, oh my God, you can experience whitewashing even if you lived in the time period. He's like, all of these movies. Oh my God. He's told me that everyone was white and to the point that I started believing it. You can live through a time period and still be susceptible. And I was just like, my child, my beautiful child. Yes. Oh my God. I literally had a conversation with my thesis supervisor on Monday about representations of rural Ireland and how people envision a certain makeup of rural Ireland and then that drives policy decisions and then that drives who lives there but like actually it doesn't reflect reality at all and like we're literally you can be living in rural Ireland and looking around you and seeing that there are people of colour and there are queer people and you will still sort of mentally just no we have to think of white like hetero farmers like, no it, it was so well done it was really well done it was great because like merlin is like oh my god mind blown and then they come to him and they're like dude you told us it was going to be all white and that we'd like super st- like super stand out and he was like i don't remember i this is great this is great. <laughs> um but also due to the time like some of it is due to the time travel weirdery stuff that they're going on he has like weird memory gaps from this time period but also he's just like I honestly Mm -hmm. just I don't remember all these people of color being around and even like when they when they do the the OG's uh night to the round table he's like okay the only women here are Ari and Gwen but also the people of color that I brought along aren't the only people of color like there's already like, of the time, uh, knights of colour. So that's cool. We just got to work on the ladies. Just got to work on, like, respecting yeah. <laughs> women. And once we have respecting women, I feel we like can one of the authors other. here, 
Oh, one of the authors here just has a pet peeve, I think, about representations of people of color in medieval artwork because, like, they were there, guys. And plus, 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 King Arthur never happened. So even if they weren't there, you can, you can make it happen. Um, what is your highlight um, then? Was my sidelight representation? Yeah. Okay, my highlight is also representation. Okay, so your sidelight is everyone is queer and of colour and your highlight is the specific way they handle it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was really well done. I read a couple of reviews that were like, is it realistic that this many people would be queer and of colour? And I was like, yes. Uh, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I say this in part just because this is not an uncommon story, but when I was in secondary school, I had a group of six or seven friends and when and like they were my friends the whole way up and in first year to my knowledge every single one of us was like I'm straight I'm straight and by sixth year which is only six years later I think one of us I could get that from the counting (laughs) one two etc only one of us was still identifying as straight so queer people find each other in all circumstances. And did then you they get that last hanger friends. on in the end or did they stay straight? To my knowledge, unfortunately, I'm not no longer close friends with this person, but to my knowledge, they are still straight. Okay, well, good for them. Takes all sorts. Yeah, you gotta have a token straight person because in TV, it's a token gay person. Actually, yeah, I didn't have many queer friends growing up, but... If I think of, like, the people I interact with on a regular basis, there is one straight person except for people I'm related to and thus obligated to talk to. Yeah, um, I have the same straight person in my life. So I feel you. (laughs) Shout out. So that was Once in Future by A.R. Amy Rose. Capetta and Corey McCarthy, who are married wives who write books about King Arthur in the future together. Wonderful. I give it four Um, out of five stars and I give it sequel four and a half. There you go. Doesn't quite reach five. And Merlin's a twink. Yeah. Which has to be inspired by BBC Merlin because no one else did that before that. Um. We will be back in two weeks with Northanger Abbey, which is a book that does not have dragons or space travel or magic or time travel, but it does have some really good jokes. And it is about a 17 year old who's just been raised in an isolated rural area and she's read a lot of gothic novels and she's going out into the world like, oh no, I hope no terrible lords with wives locked in the attic try to seduce me. I hope people don't make overt advances at me at the ball. That would be terrible. And then everyone around her is normal. It's amazing. (laughs) I'm very excited to hear about this because I have never read a Jane Austen, despite the fact that when I was 10, my mother got me a Jane Austen complete works for Christmas and then was very disappointed the next day when I had not read it. 
all of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you... It is hard to express how small the writing has to be, even if the book is, like, nearly A3 size, to get the complete works of Jane Austen into one title. And also... Yeah, the I have one, and it's I a Bible, essentially. Ten. Like, I know that I was a ferocious reader as a child, but I was also... 10 and 10 year olds don't want to read Jane Austen that's true I love Jane Austen and I tried to read her the first time when I was 11 and I was not ready for it you should give that book to me though um <laughs> listeners if you would like to keep in contact with us and keep up with what we're doing on here as well as releasing our podcast every two weeks we post regular updates on twitter on twitter.com forward slash forever YA pod and on Instagram where we are forever YA podcast. We can also see the books that we are reading and will be reading on Goodreads at forever YA pod. And if you have a bit of money and you'd like to support what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at forever YA pod. If you support us on Patreon, you can recommend books to us. If you don't have money and would still like to recommend books to us, you should probably at us on Twitter because I, for one, am very open to recommendations at the moment. I believe I will be reading maybe Knots and Crosses for March, but basically I just want to read more works, particularly by Irish and UK authors of colour. So particularly looking for those racks. But again, if you support us on Patreon, you can make us read any book. Uh, so shout out to our universe. existing patreon supporters and yeah of course you can support us in ways that aren't monetary you can tell people about the podcast you can leave reviews and you can just talk to us i gave you all our social medias there but they'll also be in the show notes very good so we'll uh call it a day and see you all in two weeks stay safe wash your hands bye, bye.